0: I can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of January 2013. For newcomers, uh, make good at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find lots of free downloads for for the, the vital information to give you shortcuts to understanding the big system you're born into and explains why uh, you're going through this period of rapid change, the time of transition and so on. There's many names for the same thing. Planned a long time ago, a society was herded through world wars to bring them to their knees to get them to unite through treaties into a global type government structure and that's what you're going through today and it's a socialist or communistic type structure for the masses I've always said that for years and uh, and of course it's a fascist one on top the ones who own all the big corporations so that is the future, that is the present actually and what you're seeing now is simply the last spikes being driven in to nail down the, the rails so that we can go in the right direction and the direct right direction of course is a planned direction And most folk have been deceived their whole lives. They've never known about truth. The media's not there to explain any truth to you. It's not meant to get you involved. Uh, It's meant to keep you running in circles as the big, big moves go on. And uh, we're the last to know. We're always the last to know what's really, really going on at the bottom level. And a long time ago, in fact, the public were cut out of uh, the information loop as to what's really happening in the world. And you'll find big authors in the past talked about this, guys who worked with the World Councils at the time, who designed even the cultural changes we've all gone through to destroy what was left of existing cultures in order to blend them into this Big Brother system where there's no family to stand around you when they come for you. Uh, They're simply you and government, and that's it. H.G. Wells talked about that a long time ago. So, help yourself to the, to say the, the free audios and there's, there's transcripts for print up as well in English. And Alan Watts sent in sentinel.eu, you'll find transcripts in other languages. Number two, you bring me to you. I don't push advertising at all. And uh, it's up to you to keep me going. And you can do so by buying the books and just cutting through the matrix.com. And the books are essential to, to seek how chronology works. Chronology is a very old art of managing whole herds of people without really knowing what's going on. And remember, too, you can also donate and from the U.S. to Canada. You can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office, send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations seriously are welcome as we go through these inflationary times into austerity. But as I say, nothing that happens on a large scale it happens by itself is planned that way. All the wars are planned many, many years in advance, and even as I've mentioned many times during the Vietnam War, in an article in England, I came out when they were talking to the CIA director uh, that they were already had wars planned way after Vietnam. They were working on them then, during Vietnam, and uh, right down to the present time, in fact, and probably beyond that as well. And we see the strategies going on through the, the PNAC group with a list that was drawn up for countries to take down. And PNAC, of course, was also uh, Israel first as well, and America second, although they tried to pretend it was in America's interest to fight all these wars. But, however, the, the Obama administration, as you notice, is carrying on the same agenda. So uh, this is this this is a, a very old plan. Uh, it's been worked on and exposed many times, but kept quiet by the mainstream. But it's in your face today, and we're going to suffer all the consequences of it. The money men at the top, run the whole system, these these big top money families have been here for centuries and centuries and they lend to whole nations. Now they, they lend to whole blocks of countries that have amalgamated like the EU. And even their own historian Carl Quigley wrote The Future for us a long time ago in the Anglo American establishment. Back with more after this break. folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix And it's hard for most people to understand that they have been conned their whole lives We've all got egos, we all believe that we're sane, you see And the reason that you think you're sane is you bounce your ideas off those around you Your peer group, and they'll have the same opinions as you But no one stops to say who gave us all these opinions And what's the amazing thing too is once you're brainwashed, you don't know who you are So much so that you won't even look at any uh, contrary um, evidence and uh, uh, and facts to do with the things that you believe in, and it's the opposite of them altogether. You will not even look at them. It's quite an amazing thing that for people to have. It's a very human thing indeed. Even though it's staring you in the face, they will ref- refuse to even look at it because people truly believe uh, in, in things. Almost like uh, you know, politics is like a religion to people. And political parties, when you get involved uh, with them, it's like a religion to them, with their philosophy and their idealism. And it's always clashes of ideals that that end up uh, forcing the future. And for those who really uh, compromise their ideals along the way, for instance, existing cultures let it going away, you know, letting it all go for a, a newcomer coming in with their culture, you've had it, you've, you're done for if you give your old culture away. You simply won't exist for very long as a people. And that was all part, remember, too, of the communist strategy as well, which is still on the go today. Uh, Even when Pierre Trudeau got into office in Canada as prime minister, none of the media mentioned at the time that they all knew, of course, his history, that in 1952 he led the Comintern Young Communist Party for Canada over to Moscow for their annual meeting. And eventually he ran under the liberal tickets. That was another uh, technique they used to go into another party, mainly the liberal types, and to carry it on that way. And then when he got in, he said, he's actually boasted, we said we get in. He didn't mean the liberal party, he meant the communist party. And when he came in, Canada had pretty well no debt at all. When I left, we were just covered in masses of debt. And then he started all the multicultural grants and so on to get the welfare state going and all that kind of stuff, and the country still really has gone downhill since. But there's no parties anymore, there's no right-wing or left-wing, because remember, as I say, the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, who had access to their archives, and they have archives of the real histories, he wrote uh, Tragedy and the Hope, and he also wrote the Anglo-American Establishment, and he lays out in the latter, too, uh, how uh, this particular group got together, created the institutions, and decided how they were going to force the world along one direct path. He actually said, too, that we are often mistaken for the Communist Party because our goals are primarily the same. But of course what he didn't say is that, uh, it would be the same because exactly the same. They're all for the communist party because they realized that massive bureaucracy is the only way to keep masses in control in a planned scientific society and government intrusion would have to come into everyone's lives down the road and that the elite on the top would live a completely different life. And if you go into the writings of other members of the world's government at that time, and there was one, by the way, you know, uh, who signed all the treaties and signed all our independence as a way, you'll find that uh, Lord Bertrand Russell said the, the same kind of thing. He said there's going to be a scientific type of dictatorship on the people. What he meant by that was specialists in every areas of society, sociologists, uh, neuroscientists, psychologists, behaviorists, all these kind of things. Uh, child welfare workers, uh, they would take over uh, all the, the existing roles of parents primarily and guide everyone's lives from them from cradle to grave. And he said, too, he says that there's going to be a tyranny. I'd prefer it to be a scientific tyranny. Well, you're kind of under that today. It's a beautiful thing, war, you see, and um, because you can get so much done. As Quigley said, in five years of warfare, Government can get so much done, changing the whole system. You can turn society upside down. All the norms can get turned upside down by mandate. And people go along with it because it's wartime. And they learned that mainly through World War II, uh, studying the countries under siege, especially England, London, that kind of stuff, how the people disbehaved like automatons to incredible hardship and put up with it as so we're turned upside down. So that's the technique that's used now under the guise of uh, fighting terrorism forever. It's to be perpetual war. Forever. So, we're well on our, our way today, and uh, every day you find articles in the newspapers where they're pushing on with more government legislation in every single area of life. To do with the average person It's cradle to grave. But eventually, of course, it's not finished Because eventually they want to decide who gets born even And you only get born if you have the right kind of genes If they've screened out and says this person might have Oh, that hay fever down the road Let's, let's squash that one down the tube Down the sink And um, you only get born if they need you to fulfill a role in life, this is the scientific type of, of government they want. Eventually the communists want to get that way as well, if you really read into their deeper writings. Eventually the utopia of communism they claimed was between the people, the right people were, were, were bred basically. Uh, they could have them working for no money, given sort of credits, and then they'd simply go into big, massive warehouse type stores like Walmart or something, and to only take what they need and they would never take any more than just what they need and have the perfect robotic type society. That's where it's still to go yet. Now, we know too the computer was put out at the right time to get everybody hooked on it. It becomes essential because the new world order and the time of transition all this kind of, all these names they have for the same thing couldn't happen without uh, complete interconnectedness across the world of every single individual, mainly so the government can spy on everything you do. And that was one of the first reasons they gave it to you in the first place. First get the folk hooked on it, and then bring in the real intentions of it. And then make it so indispensable to people that they could do without it. Even to do their banking, most folk do it on it too, and so on, stuff like that. Now, government as well. Remember, there are articles here on the air where government wants to give you a USB uh, that you can actually use from government and, and put into any computer, and that's your personal passcode. And, uh, and that will link you directly with government officials, just like George Orwell and the big screen. And this article ties in with it here. It says, Since passwords have become an increasing problem for many, Google could be set to replace them entirely and is experimenting with the USB keys, mobile phones, and even jewellery that can act as a physical key to give users access to their accounts. The search giant security bosses are set to publish their findings next month and say they could soon be commonplace. Well, that's still the agenda, so you'll have one password, you see. And again, whatever you're looking at using that password and that USB key, uh, government can jump in anytime they want and have a little chat with you. That's where it's all supposed to go. So nothing is by, uh, nothing really is, is done by chance in this system. Believe you me, they've got hundreds and hundreds of think tanks working every aspect of the past societies, the past cultures, the present, and where it's supposed to go and how to get us there. And how we shall adapt. Even, they even have worked out in advance uh, through computer uh, computer simulations how we will respond to certain things we won't like, and they find ways and big think tanks working ways to coax us in and condition us into it without us thinking very much about it. It's a sad truth, but behaviours behaviours of studies are so well for so long that they understand how the mass person thinks, basically. Most of will always do is the same as everyone else, and it's quite predictable. And also this article here is to do with um, how disposable we are. I mean, I've mentioned an article before by Kissinger, uh, who is still on the go today. This guy's been around forever. Uh, big player in geopolitics including at home as well, changing the cultures at home as well. Remember, I think he was also the guy who said at a San Francisco conference, I think it was, that a one day such catastrophe could be brought on America that you'd welcome in Chinese, if need be, United Nations troops. And he's still at it, as I say. But um, he also said that the average soldier, the soldiers, he says, are simply um, animals, dumb animals who are used for for uh, um, basically geopolitical purposes, they're, they're dumb, stupid animals. Is as we actually said, to be used for geopolitics and so on. And they don't even have to know what the real war that they're fighting is for. The simple propaganda they're given is enough for them, which is very, very true, even today. But um, so with that in mind, uh, you know, and the ones at the top, they see themselves. They really hate the military. They'll use them all the time, like cannon fodder, to get things done for their agenda. But they really hate them. And uh, this article here shows you, too, how when you join the military, you're used. Your only purpose is to serve two or three years, do the job you're you're meant to do. And whatever disease hits you afterwards is your tough luck. And this article is about Jackson, North Carolina. It says, many more Marines and their relatives could be eligible for compensation for illnesses because a federal agency determined that the water at North Carolina's Camp Lejeune was contaminated four years earlier than thought. In a letter to the Department of the Veterans Affairs, the Federal Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry says, Computer modelling shows that drinking water in the residential Had Not Point area was unsafe for human consumption as far back as August 1953. So they knew all that time. It was poisonous. And they probably know the long-term effects on it too. Uh, But it wouldn't matter as long as you're fit enough to go and fight wars and do stuff like that. Anyway, it says that President Obama signed a law last year uh, granting health care and screening to Marines and their dependents on the base between 1957 and 1987. I believe one million people may have been exposed to, they call it, tainted water. I think it's a lot more toxic than simply tainted but that's what your own governments think of you. And even in Canada here, it was only, it was only a few years ago, and I read it on the air too, uh, that Agent Orange was still getting sprayed over uh, a military bases in Canada right, for, in the 70s and the 80s. And it also hit the surrounding towns as well to keep the weeds down, to spray it from the air. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting into The Matrix, and also this article too, is quite interesting, so the, the venerable US institution, that's the, that's the, um, uh, the Library of Congress, is, is trying to archive American Twitter, all, all of the Twitters. Uh, It says 133,000 gigabytes worth of tweets currently takes days to search, but the Library of Congress is nonetheless trying to archive American Twitter use for posterity. And of course that means that all the research boys will have access to all the stuff that you've been prattling on about, you see, which further gets fed into computers to get similarities between you and other ones on the same uh, kind of page, you might say. So the institution is assembling all of the 400 million tweets sent by Americans each day in the belief that each of the many messages reflect a small but important part of a national narrative. An element of the mission at the Library of Congress is to collect the story of America and acquire collections that will have research values, says Gail Osterberg, Director of Communications at the Library. And it says here, now it wants to be Keeper of the Nation's Brief Internet messages as well. Twitter in April 2010 signed a deal with the library given access to tweets dating back to the company's inception in 2006. So for all you guys who keep signing on to all these things and start using them, it's all ultimately to do with researching you. That's what it's all about. Of course, the, Pentagon's, the Pentagon's been doing this for years already, and they've admitted it as well. So was NSA and everybody else above you. Also, austerity couldn't come in, and you understand it was planned for years, uh, the the age of austerity. Going back to the 1970s, I've mentioned before, the Club of Rome talked about the post-consumerist era, and they'd have to bring it in, and they also said that democracy didn't wouldn't work. There were too many conflicting parties all arguing for different things. Therefore, the big agenda, what they call progress, couldn't be... Because progress obviously has to be an agenda, somebody's agenda, Because it never explained what direction they're talking about in progress, is it? It We said take for granted, but ever, however, the the Club of Rome knew exactly where they wanted to go with all this because they wanted to go into a scientifically controlled society. And they said it would be post-consumerist and and post-democratic. And that's where you are today, in a time of especially uh, what we've gone into since 9-11, anti-terrorism, we're, we're anything but democratic anymore. We're just told what to do, and laws are passed at the top through executive orders, in other countries call come orders in council, same thing. And you go along with it, and you've no seen it whatsoever. But they couldn't get austerity in until they crashed the banks, and the banks were crashed on cue, because it was designed to go that way at that time. And the big boys knew four or five years ahead that it was going to happen. They got together many times and all discussed openly that that, uh, they were too big to fail. Government would have to bail them out. So it was planned that way. It really was planned that way. It wasn't just a happening. And don't forget, too, I've read articles even prior to it happening on the air where the, the U.S. government and the Feds have been pouring money in every day into the stock exchange to keep certain ones of the top corporations up there in share value. So it was artificially contrived for years and years and years. So why stop it then? It's because the chairman of the Federal Reserve said he wasn't going to do it now. And that was a signal to me they were going to crash the banks. It was time to crash the banks. That had to happen. And meanwhile, because the banks knew they were all, all had a part to play in it, they plundered and plundered and plundered. They, they shot the value up of worthless homes and all the rest of it for, for massive mortgages and tr- traded them all as fast as they could before it all came down. They lost nothing because we bailed them all out and were down again to bankers, international money lenders who, who lend us the money to then give to the banks So we're all in debt as guarantors To pay it off forever and ever That is perpetual slavery For those who haven't quite figured it out And Jefferson himself said that Any generation born into a system Where they have to pay off A previous uh, generation's debt uh, they're, they're living in de facto slavery That's what he said So nothing happens to the big bankers As you know And they're all smiling And they're going off in their private jets All over the place and buying islands all over the world now too. If you if you notice all the, the sales that are going on, it says Barclays bankers, including the former boss Bob Diamond, uh, lose high court bid to remain anonymous over alleged involvement in the LIBOR fixing scandal. So they they fixed their rates and all the rest of it afterwards, as we know. And says the former Barclays chief executive Bob Diamond, who was amongst a number of executives who unsuccessfully attempted to keep their identity secret during hearings, in which the rigging of of a lending rate was discussed. The former Bankley's chief exec Bob Diamond uh, says he um, says a judge yesterday named the Barclays bosses who tried to keep them, them secret, some secret in the landmark case linked to the rate fixing scandal. Well, what does it matter unless they put them behind bars? You know, it's, it's not they, they can stand having their identities known. We all knew who they were to begin with. Former chief executives Bob Diamond and John Varley, current investment bank boss Rich Rickey and casino banker Jerry Del Mizier were amongst those trying to keep their involvement in the case under wraps. But the judge said it would be an affront to the principle of open justice to bar the public from knowing the names involved and demanding that they be punished immediately. Decision to reveal the names heaps further embarrassment on a bank which has been hit by a string of scandals including the rigging of the LIBOR rate and the aggressive mis-selling of payment protection insurance. But as I say, you know, nothing will happen. A slap in the wrist and they can, a bit of embarrassment and they do get embarrassed. Any of these guys was a are psychopathic. So, and that'll be that. The different laws you see for different folks and so on. And, <laughs> big Britain is Big Brother Britain. It has been for an awful long time, mind you. And uh, people who grew up in Britain have watched this change completely upside down. They can't even recognize the country anymore as to what it used to be. And Big Brother is truly, truly there. you, that's a prototype for the rest of the world. And you can... Compare it with Britain with Britain with America and Canada and our countries now too. I'll read this article after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about Big Brother Britain and Big Brother Britain certainly is getting more Big Brotherish. As says town hall snoopers have the power to vet your pot plants and fridge and officials have now more than 1,400 powers to enter homes. This is number of snooping powers rose despite coalition pledge to rein them in. Well, it's just an agenda, anyway. Officials have power to enter the home and check for the plant pests. No kidding, this is an excuse. Any excuse will do to get in, right? Plant pests under the 2005 Act. They also have power to check energy ratings on refrigerators under regulations. Can you believe that? And the Minister for Criminal Information said powers of entry is vital for investigation of crime, but said a new code of practice will ensure proportionate use, yeah, sure. Yep. So it says, um, it says, the number of snooping powers available to town halls and public bodies has risen despite the coalition pledges uh, to rein them in. It says, uh, amongst those which remain are powers to enter a home to see that the plants and, and plant pests or do not have a plant passport under the Plant Health Order of 2005. You understand, they've got to have all these laws in the books so they can read anybody's home at any time they want. That's what it's for, like the Soviet system had something similar to that too. Another power allows officials to check the energy ratings on refrigerators under Energy Information Household Refrigerators and Freezers Regulation 2004. They can also use the Anti-Social Behaviour Act 2003 to see if a garden hedge is too high. Government departments have been given until next year to identify which powers should be repealed Even then it may take months or years for them to be scrapped The Conservative manifesto include a commitment to cut back on intrusive powers of entry into homes We'll always say but never do it Only 15 such laws have so far been repealed Including the power to enter a home and search for and seize German enemy property dating back to the 1950s Or to carry out checks on whether illegal hypnotism displays were taking place. No kidding. And details of the snooping powers emerge as the Home Office published new rules designed to stop public officials abusing them. Well, the code of practice suggests 40 hours notice should be given before a property is raided. <laughs> if that is considered appropriate and that officials should be considerate over the time of day homes are entered. Breach of code will not be a criminal offence and civil liberties campaigners accuse ministers of failing to tackle the issue. Nick Pickles, director of Big Brother Watch, says it Bigger's belief that even after six months of working on this issue, some departments still have no idea what powers of entry they're able to use. What's well, the whole idea? When they want to enter someone's home, they just flick through this big dictionary and pick one. Lord Taylor, Minister for Criminal Information, said powers of entry will always be vital for the investigation of crime, but this new code of practice will ensure they're used proportionately and not abused. It's, you understand the only work that uh, almost is there, in fact, to the present, is anti-terrorism, and some guys are in other police or private uh, agencies, even private police are coming big in Britain, and uh, are working for the government in one of its many, of hundreds and hundreds of, of divisions. Uh, that's going to be the only work there'll be eventually And then labor labourers at the bottom And of course everyone knows that, that Obama's past is, is mired and, and various associations he's had all his life with communism and so on And remember too what I said that quickly mentioned that the, the Council on Foreign Relations And the big foundations which are all part of it that, uh, Who fund all the NGOs out there and are always demanding and lobbying government for new laws to be passed to become more communistic. Uh, that's, uh, that's, um, Obama's always been associated with uh, real communists. But it says, it says, it should come as no surprise that Communist Party USA is on board with President Obama's plan to attack America's right to keep and bear arms as means to end gun violence. Remember they tried in the 1920s to get all that done through the Communist Party USA. A cardinal feature of communist regimes, like all dictatorships, is the prohibition of private ownership of arms, creating a monopoly of force in the hands of the state. In a January 18th article, People's World, an official publication of the Communist Party USA, it's called CPUSA, declared that the ability to live free from the fear or threat of gun violence is a fundamental democratic right, one that far supersedes any so-called personal gun rights allegedly contained in the Second Amendment. The article entitles Fight to End Gun Violence is Key to Defending Democracy, written by People's World Labour and Politics reporter Rick Nagin, uh, claims that the right-wing extremists opposing all efforts to curb gun violence are the same forces that rallied behind Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney, hoping to undermine every other democratic right, as well as the living standards of workers and ordinary Americans. Well, I think Obama, see, there's no difference between the parties now. It's all one. And that's, that's again, how, how the, the, the diabolical beauty of the plan of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, was to run both sides of everything. And, and again, Carl Quigley said that at the end, they would run all sides. But he also said that, the, that the, all presidents, American presidents and another country's prime ministers, have been chosen by them, this matter not what party they ran for. They've been chosen and vetted by them for a 100 years. That was 100 years. It says that for that reason, declares Nagin, as well as the need to protect public safety, that same other coalition of Labour and its allies that worked so hard and effectively to re elect President Barack Obama must now go all out to back his common sense proposal for gun law reform. It continues as Obama has charged, extremists recklessly gin up fear. The government is coming to take away hunting rifles and personal weapons owned for legitimate self-defence, led by the hate-mongering... Always put the right words in your seat. These are key words you've been trained to back off with. Hate-mongering leadership of the National Rifle Association. They use a totally fraudulent and only very recent interpretation of the Second Amendment, which they falsely claim as necessary for protecting every other freedom contained in the Bill of Rights. Well, obviously that's what it was written for, was to keep the freedoms in the Bill of Rights, because you can't get freedom of speech if you're under a totalitarian system. Obviously, you need something to back it up. It says, however, gun rights advocates don't need to gin up fear that President Obama's common sense proposals will lead to even more onerous infringements than the current calls to ban or restrict so-called assault weapons. The gun control zealots have been quite emphatic about intending to severely restrict, and many have called uh, for a total ban on all privately owned firearms. December 21st article for the Daily Course is one of the candid admissions against interest by the left that the real end goal is a total monopoly of gun ownership by the government. It's not just by them, by the way, it's by the United Nations. Under the United Nations, they've said that that only uh, elected governments governments have the right of force to use force. No one else, no one else has it. But they also said eventually the United Nations, as it rises up to power, will take over that responsibility, and only their army, world army, will have the right of using force, as any kind of force and all kind of force and private citizens will not be allowed to use any whatsoever. This is the only way we can truly be safe and prevent further gun violence is to ban civilian ownership of all guns. That means everything. No pistols, revolvers, semi-automatics or automatic rifles, no bolt actions, no breaking actions or falling blocks, nothing. This is the only thing we can possibly do to keep the children safe from both mass murder and common street violence. It's interesting, in Canada, there was just one other day there, in British Columbia, Uh, Someone was killed by a sword. He almost had his head hacked off. So uh, it's it's nonsense. It's it's the breakdown of society. It's the drug culture. It's the destruction, which they knew would happen, by the way, from Hollywood and everyone else, which was weaponized from the beginning, of course, to destroy the culture and destroy all the values that kept the culture safe, common values. That had to all be destroyed by these people who formed Hollywood. Until you see blood and guts on everything. That's how you've had to get churned out for years. Everyone's desensitized to it. But it also makes everything seem quite normal, doesn't it? Because this this society now is dysfunctional. It has had its uh, its culture utterly destroyed. It doesn't know it yet. Most folk adapt as they go along in their own lifetime. So many adaptations to, to the cultural changes, they just think it's all quite normal simply because it happens. They don't realize it's all been guided And I'll put this link up tonight, too, at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Then in Britain, uh, the Liberal Democrats, they call them, which is like communist-communist, condemn MPs' criticism of Israel ahead of Holocaust Memorial Day. The Liberal Democrats have condemned their member of parliament, David Ward, for his use of language in a statement about Israel's treatment of Palestinians. He accused the Jews in Israel of inflicting atrocities on Palestinians on a daily basis. And Mr. Ward has been summoned to a meeting with party whips next, I guess they whip him, the party whips who must do whip him or something like that. But the members of Parliament told the BBC he had chosen his words carefully and did not regret the timing of the statement. Members of Parliament said it was regrettable he'd been reprimanded by liberal democratic officials. It's only country you can't condemn on anything that they do. Every other country is up for grabs for condemn- condemnation. And also to do with global warming nonsense and all the rest of it, and I told you the BBC were all on board with it, I've mentioned before they fired lots of long-term hosts in the BBC who wouldn't go along with the global warming because it must be repeated and repeated into existence of the minds of the public as a real thing by repetition. They call it from the United Nations, they said they'd have to institutionalise it, the word the terms, global warming, climate change, by repetition. So David Bellamy tells us at the moment he was frozen out of the BBC. He's a botanist and he had a long-standing programme, years and years. David Bellamy is described to the BBC frozen out when he dismissed global warming as poppycock. And the 80-year-old environmentalist and former broadcaster admitted that his scepticism signalled the end of his career as he had known it. From that moment, I really wasn't welcome at the BBC, he said. They froze me up because I don't believe in global warming. My career dried up. I was thrown out of my uh, conservation groups and I got spat at in London. That's how, that's how you create fanaticism, folks. And, of course, the big uh, global system uses the comic types to create the fanaticism. They've got lots of followers. So Bellamy said that things first began to change in 1996 when he spoke out against wind farms during one of his regular appearances on Blue Peter that was at the beginning, really. He told the Daily Mail, from that moment, I was not welcome. And that's how they treat you. If, mind you, if he was diddling children at the BBC, they probably kept them in. But I guess he wasn't. And it says here, too, Davos, the Davos meeting, as you all know, and that's the big one for the Bank for International Settlements that hosts all the top uh, multibillionaires in the world every year. Uh have their little chats and their drinky poos and their incredible long meals. And it says, Davos calls for $14 trillion greening of global economy. What it means, that's $14 trillion of your tax money to be thrown at their own corporations, folks. That's what it means for those who don't quite get it. And it says, only a sustained and dramatic shift to infrastructure and industrial practices using low-carbon technology can save the world and its economy from devastating global warming. According to a Davis Commissioned Alliance led by the former Mexican President Felipe Calderon, in the most dramatic call so far to fight climate change on business grounds, it's amazing because at the start you see the communists all gravitated into the into the, the greening business. In fact, they created the Green Party to take over. It was meant to. The Green Party was meant to champion all the communists after the Berlin Wall came down, and it was all designed before it all came down, by the way, to take over. Anyway. And all the right-wings are in it, too, because it's all one same system. You may get the fascists at the top and the multi billionaires getting trillions of your cash off you to keep their businesses expanding all the time. And they must have this bureaucratic, communistic system running all of our lives down below, where they come in to check the, the ratings on your fridge and stuff like that. Anyway, it says this includes everything from power generation, transport, building, to industry, forestry, water, agriculture, according to the Green Growth Action Alliance created at last year's Davis meeting in Mexico. They spending amounts to roughly $700 billion a year until 2030, provide a much-needed economic stimulus, as well as reduce the costs associated with global warming further down the line. Now, I've had two nights... They're at minus 40 Fahrenheit, which is the same as centigrade at that, that level. And it actually went lower at 42 Fahrenheit. And they've got, they've got uh, freezing pretty well in a lot of countries as always. And they don't want really to mention that. It's just not, it's not happening. Because anything contrary to the big agenda simply doesn't get mentioned. But you get one inch of snow in some countries and they'll create a, oh, it's a crisis. It's a crisis. What they do in Britain right now. Amazing, isn't it? How easy it is to con the public with crisis creation, that television set. Anyway, I'll put these links up tonight, as I I said, uh, all these links at cuttingthroughtheMatrix.com. And also, it's interesting that EU carbon prices crashed to record low. Now, it's gone down for a reason. It's to to try to hype up the hype. Oh, we've got to keep this going and inject more cash into it and take all these carbon taxes passed everywhere. To get it up, because this is the new economy folks this this carbon bubble of nonsense that doesn't even exist if you don't have carbon dioxide we're all dead. the planet's dead, and it's a trace gas, a trace gas it's always been here there's no plants if you don't have it anyway it says here is that um the European Union's flagship climate policy everybody's got climate policy in the top of the list you know. Underneath that is transsexuals and, and all that kind of stuff and rights for them. These are the most important things on the planet right now. So the price of carbon crash to a record low on Thursday after a vote in Brussels against a proposal to support the struggling markets. Now, the they started the market by giving billions of free credits to all the big international corporations who still want more given to them, right? And apparently they made billions of profits off trading amongst themselves, like, like you know, football cards or something. The price of a permit to emit a tonne of carbon dioxide fell 40% at one point to 2 euros 81 today, far below its record high of 32 euros before recovering to more than 4 euros later in the day. The ETS aimed at reducing emissions from Europe's entire energy and industrial sectors has been played by an oversupply of permits due in part to overgenerous initial allocations following lobbying by industry. And what it means is they're given so much a glut of free ones by you, the taxpayer, who paid for it all to get them started. That's what that means, for those who can't, who can't quite figure it out. We're going through con after con after con. And remember too, Rothschild, Lord Rothschild himself, said all these carbon credits, all these trainings to go through his his family's personal bank in Switzerland. Can you imagine the rake-off he's going to get off this? Can you imagine the power, the the more power, the excess power he's going to wield over the whole planet? What a con. Money for nothing, eh? Money for nothing. Guaranteed. And everyone who lives will have to eventually pay carbon taxes for the privilege of being alive in this sick, sick system of conology. I mean, you talk about Insanity, treating insanity. Bertrand Russell said that we can bring the public to believe anything. He says, he says, eventually with the techniques of psychology and so on, he says, in the, in the developing sciences, this is in back in the forties and fifties, he says we'll be able to convince anybody of anything. Yep, it's here, folks. It's here. It's all been done, and he helped design the present culture you're living through today. All of it. Right down to the massive promiscuity and end of marriage. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I've talked many times about Katerina Gileva and her troubles in Utah, trying to get her son back from the, the authorities there that took him about a year, almost a year and a half ago. And all these pre-trial cases she had to go through fighting the system, fighting the system, fighting the system, always showing that there's no evidence there. They've admitted there's no evidence they for taking the child in the first place, but still didn't matter. More pre-trials, pre-trials. Well, finally, finally, she's getting an actual real trial, and this is the one that decides whether she gets her child back or not. And it's on Monday, January the 28th, and Wednesday, January the 30th. So I guess there's two parts to this trial, January the 28th and January the 30th. And for those who've been following this, because it's been quite quite a struggle indeed, and she's had lots and lots of phone calls over the period since I've, I've mentioned it on the air, and others have too. And you can call the judge. That's Mary Noonan, N-O-O-N-A-N, Noonan, Mary Noonan, and her number is 8017645820. That's 801. 801- seven six four five eight two zero or you can get the judge's clerk Wendy Mathini which is M E T H E N E Y Wendy Mathini at eight zero one seven two four three eight two zero and just ask them to make the right decision. Don't be nasty or anything, just say please make the right decision regarding case number one zero six five four one four. It's case number 1065414, and that's a buyer versus Jaleva. And uh, let's see if the right thing is going to be done. And remember, too, I'll put this this, uh, whole show up at the end of the night, too, uh, cutting through the So if you missed that, you can go in and look it up there, too. And and, and hear the the phone numbers again at the end of the show. But she's really put up a struggle. She's, She's never given in. And she's been tenacious, and she's been told there was no chance of getting the child back from the authorities. People in the authority actually told her that, too, because I don't think anybody's ever managed to be successful. It's rigged that way, because if they let one child go back and admit they're wrong, then they'll have a whole plethora, a massive avalanche of people doing the same, and they can't afford that, because it's a massive money-making scheme that they have there with all the people involved in pre-trials and pre-trials and pre-trials for each and every child and all the psychological counseling and all the rest of it, great business. See, we are the only business, the people are the only real business for those making the massive paychecks off of us. It's true. And the the system is all over the U.S., Canada, and other countries too, as children are snatched every darn day and getting worse all the time. Again, Russell himself said... We, the elite, always thought we'd have to take the children from the parents at birth to give them a new indoctrination, otherwise they'd be contaminated with the old culture and ideas of their parents. He says, but now we can actually, through scientific indoctrination at kindergarten and through school, negate that any appearance inputs. And so the, but they're still grabbing children yet when they can't negate the inputs obviously, and just grab them and that's that. So, to so see, see if you can phone in uh, to the judge and the judge's clerk and uh, those numbers and give some support and ask them to do the right thing at last. And from Hamish Mosella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.